At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We live in a world full of information, literally at our fingertips. Among all the claims of truth in the world, it can be hard to separate fact from fiction. This is often the case when it comes to the Christian faith. Do we understand the truth of what we believe, and can we articulate it to others? In The Essentials, Why Truth Matters, we'll use the affirmations of the Apostles' Creed as a guide to teaching us the core doctrines of the Christian faith. Join us each week as we affirm the foundational truths of Christianity so we can stand on the bedrock of God's truth and share that good news with the world. Amen. Thank you, Bill. So I was gone in Texas this week. Got to go to a rodeo. I saw the sun. <laughs> yes, it exists. It exists. It's, it was warm. It was nice. Actually, I wanted to show you this slide because this is true. Texas does shut down when it gets in the low 60s. It was, there was wind and it got 60 one day and you thought people were going to have to go and buy shovels and they had to go find coats. None of them have coats. And so I was sitting there like, this is the best moment of my life. It's 60. But it is true. They do not know how to handle cold. But I'm glad to be back. I was able to go to Houston. And we are actually today starting a new series as we start this new structure of three services and celebrating the baptism of MJ. And we get to answer a question that has been asked since the beginning of time. And that question is, what is truth. And this question has been asked by professors, by politicians, by teachers, by churches, by artists. And when it comes to truth, specifically with our culture, we want as a culture, not we as a church, but our American culture is okay with us making our own version of truth. You just create your truth, whatever works for you, whatever works with your agenda, whatever works with what you feel comfortable with, whatever you think is accurate, and, and you just do you. And, and that's good enough. And, and so with truth, and, and specifically with this series, we are going to talk about some of the essentials to our Christian faith. And, and it's got to start with truth. Because this has been under attack for far too long. And I believe our, our government, our society, um, I think Hollywood, social media, it, it's everywhere trying to create division. Trying to create a sense of, of disinformation for our kids, for us, and it's something that we need to talk about. And one thing I love about being a part of a, of a Bible teaching church is we don't discriminate against any topic. We just teach God's word. And in God's word, we get to answer the question of truth, and we believe that we know how we find the truth. We believe we know the how because we have God's word. And so this series is called The Essentials, 
why truth matters. And I love it because this is built around a creed. And if you have your inserts from your bulletin, you'll see that there's a creed on this. And this creed is one of the oldest creeds that has been affirmed in Christianity. So much so that this has been around since 4th, 5th century. And in this creed, it was used and developed to help those who are new in the faith, were new in the faith, to be able to go against false teaching, false understandings, and to know what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And you got to remember, in the early church, we've been talking about this a lot, there were a lot of people that were illiterate. <laughs> there were a lot of people who didn't have the finances to, to pay for scripture, for Bible. And so this was a great rule book for young converts. And I just want to read it this morning. We're going to be talking about it uh, for the next so many weeks. And, and this is what it says. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. It's a beautiful creed. And, and in this series, we're going to be working through this, but it all starts off with that very first statement, I believe in God. And, and so when you see that statement, you might think, man, that's, that's too simple. Okay, I believe in God. I, I believe in this higher being. I, I believe in the creator. But, but it isn't that simple. Actually, recent statistics, there was a Gallup poll study, and, and it said that 81% of Americans still believe in, in a God, still believe in a higher being. You know, when I think of that, it doesn't make sense to me because I don't think that number is that high, but, but we know that out of that 81%, how many of those 81% are truly redeemed, truly believed, truly are saved? The percentage is going to be much, much smaller. And then what's even more alarming is that number is down 17% in the last decade. So we're talking about a major decrease even in belief, even if we don't believe that number to be completely accurate. And really the idea comes down to, what is belief? So many people say they believe the demons and Satan believe. You read in the book of James, they believe in God. Are they saved? Are they redeemed? They believe. And so there's so much more that we can unpack. And so our big idea that we're going to be fleshing out today is believing in God is essential 
to possessing truth is absolutely essential to possessing truth. And and in the Apostles' Creed, when it begins by saying, I believe in God, again, it's important we understand what it means to believe and why it's essential to believe in God. So let's talk about some of these essentials, why it's essential to believe in God. Let me give you the first reason why it's essential to believe in God. Because belief in God is how we draw near to him. You see that verse up there, Hebrews 11, verse 1 and 6? We're going to be hanging out in that piece of scripture today. And so if you could turn your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, we're going to be starting with the first verse. And this is what it says. If you've been part of this church or been part of churches in the past, you've probably heard this verse. It's about faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Go down five verses, and this is what it says. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So here we see that we have to believe to draw near. And believing in God is actually how we draw near. It's the ultimate means to to getting closer to God. And, and I think about this, this principle, and, and in our minds, some of us might be like, I believe. But what they're saying in, in the book of Hebrews is there's example after example of these men of faith, of these women of faith, in chapter 11, and how they believed, and they seemed almost ordinary. Not, nothing necessarily spectacular, but what separated them What made them be the cream of the crop wasn't their merits, wasn't their education, wasn't their physique, right? It was their faith. That's what separated them. Because faith is the means by which we know God. And so when it says in verse 1 that faith is the assurance of things that are hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's this one simple idea. It's that faith is banking your life on something you don't possess yet. It's I give my life. I believe without a shadow of doubt, with hope and assurance. Why? Because I believe in God. I believe him. I believe that I serve the supreme being in the universe, my God. And I believe in the line of Judah and the love of Christ, the example of Christ that he showed us with not just living, not just dying, but raising, giving us his spirit. Faith is trusting in the word or promise of another. We got faith, we got belief, right? Most of you, when you drove in today, you believed with the service time change that we would still start at 10. You believe that you would hear a sermon 
from a Greek guy. You believed that Judson would be up here leading worship with his cool hats, right? You believed if you had children that we would have children's ministry. You believed that someone would greet you at the door. You believed the coffee would be fresh. You believed the walls wouldn't cave in on you. You had a belief, and you probably didn't even think about it. You probably believed that your water was going to work this morning. You didn't have to dig a hole in the ground to make sure your pipes were good for today. You just believed when you turn on that faucet, water was going to run out. And hopefully you believed it was going to be sanitary. But the thing is, we know belief. There's something different about belief in God. Fundamentally, belief and faith in God is believing two things. One, believing that he exists. And two, believing that he rewards those who seek him. Not just belief, but an understanding that he's going to reward us. You might say, okay, what is this reward? You know, does that mean, you know, prosperity gospel? Does that mean, you know, Winston, I'm going to, you know, hand you a $100 bill when you're leaving? You can hand me a $100 bill. (laughs) That's not what that's saying. It it could be. It, It could be in this earthly life. But really our promises, our our hope is in the life to come. And God gives us the fruit of the Spirit. He gives us blessings in this life. He is good. He doesn't just try to make our life terrible in this time so we can have reward later. It could be in this life. But ultimately, with our belief and our pursuit, he's going to reward those who seek him. That's very important for us because, let's just get practical here. The Word of God speaks about how God is invisible. Yes, we see creation, and yes, God has shown himself in many, many incredible ways. But even we see to Moses in, in Exodus 33, he says, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. So we know that God, as we see in the word, is invisible in his spirit. And and really when you think about it, there's so many good, logical, objective things we could study. There's apologetic evidence, which I love to study. But ultimately, it starts with faith. That is the starting point of where we draw near. I found this quote by Augustine. I love this. This is what it says. I'm going to put it up on the projector for you. If you have not understood, I say believe. For understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore, seek not to understand so that you may believe, but believe so that you may understand. For unless you believe, you will not understand. Well, that's deep, right? The idea of if we believe, if we seek him, if we draw near to him, he's going to show himself. He's going to reveal himself. And I already mentioned belief. We believe in a lot of things. But there's times that we doubt. Right? Let's say you get a phone call 
and someone says, hey, I got the best deal for you. Um, you're going to go on a five-day cruise, all-inclusive, only $49.99 a person. Right? Texas Roadhouse rolls every day. The buffet. Right? Some of us, it's probably a small percentage that will believe that. But most of us would be like, scam, right? We don't believe it. It's too good to be true. And so we also know with discernment some things that aren't true. And so this is where I get real. Do I have permission to get real with you? I hear some doubt in the room. <laughs> I'm sure. Many people say they believe God exists, but they don't live as if he exists. Many professing Christians often live as functional atheists. Their words are one thing, but if you look at the life of the man or the woman, it's not one that affirms the truth. And we say it, we cheer for it, we sing it. But when the rubber meets the road, do we live it? If we believed that God existed, wouldn't that change the way we lived? Wouldn't that change our day-to-day -day life? Wouldn't that change and shape the universe that, that we live in? Instead, we act as if God doesn't exist. And we're filled with, with spiritual forgetfulness instead of acting as if we are the greatest, we have the greatest and most ultimate Lord in the universe. And we choose our agenda. But faith says God exists and then pursues and believes and has hope. The faith of a man is the engine that drives him towards God. We see the second thing with belief is this, is when we believe in God, that's how we understand him. So it's not just believing in him. Actually, when we believe, we, we come to understand him. And we see in three separate scriptures what, what I'm trying to express here. The first one is 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. We also see Deuteronomy 6.4. It says, hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And finally, the Great Commission from Matthew 28, it says, Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and in the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. And so you see these three pieces of scripture, and when you look at it, some might say, okay, well, Scripture is God-breathed. The real question is, do we believe it? 
If Scripture is God-breathed, fully inspired by the Holy Spirit, do we trust what the Bible says? Even if we don't have all the answers. (laughs) The other thing we might think is that God is true and faithful in all that he says. So when he tells me something, do I actually believe that he's going to be faithful? That he's going to show up? That he's going to be true to his promises? Or do I live with constant worry and anxiety, crippling anxiety, crippling worry? And and so often when you think of anxiety and worry, it's on the opposite side of trust. Do we worry about today when Christ says, don't worry about today. Today has its own worries. And, And so we see here, That in the word, it's written so that we might believe and have life. It's a written word of God. And we understand the central person of the Bible, which which is God. And and when we seek to understand, there's some stuff in the Bible that's confusing. Listen, I've went to Bible college. I've went to seminars. I've had mentors and continued education. And there's still things in the word that are a mystery to me. And, and people will come and say, Winston, what about this? What about this? And I explain some things. And I say, well, in the end, on the other side of this life, God knows. And, and so when we dig in the word, the beauty of it is we get to learn some of these mysteries. After all that time and energy and finances poured into learning I can come on this end and say, until the day I die, there's going to be areas of God and his word that are a mystery. And and if it wasn't that way, then I would be God. And that's scary, (laughs) right? And and that's something we need to remember. And and one of the big mysteries that, that I think that I struggled with early on was one of the mysteries of the Godhead and knowing the Trinity of God. And some of us, we might say, okay, this is a concept I've heard. I've had people educate me on it before. Faith takes us to the Bible, and we learn how God reveals himself to us. And so I want to give you a good definition. You get your phones out, take a picture of it, a definition of the Trinity that I want us to hang out on. And it's this. God, he is a unified, singular essence or nature that exists eternally, in three co-equal persons. And, and that might sound complicated. And some of us might be like, man, how am I, how am I going to learn this stuff? But he's unified in singular essence or nature, but yet at the same time exists eternally in three co-equal persons. And in Deuteronomy 6.4, which we mentioned at the first section of this point, they every day recited what they called the Shema. And the Shema says this, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And that confession was to declare who God was, but also to go against false teachings that we serve multiple gods, better known as pantheism. And then if you look in the Word, all the way in the New Testament, this is quoted everywhere, whether it's Paul to the Corinthians, where he says, there's no God but one, for there is only one God. 
And, and so the Bible shows that there are three distinct persons in the Godhead. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus tells his disciples to make new disciples and to baptize them in the name, singular, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that builds a framework for what we know as our faith. But those are things that we learn and we study in Scripture. That's what we study in the Bible. Some people might say, you know, hey, I think there's a lot of things in, the, in our faith that is blind. It's like you're putting a blindfold on and walking around. And, and I would refute that and say, just because we don't know everything about something does not mean that it's wrong. I just went on a plane. Spirit Airlines. And when I went on this plane, I didn't walk in and knock on the, the door of the, the pilots and say, let me tell you about physics of the plane. Get out of here. Scram. I didn't understand it. Actually, at Bible college, we didn't take math. We took Bible classes, counseling, psychology. I know two plus two equals three, so I'm good, all right? The point is this. Just because I don't know the physics of a plane or don't know it in extreme detail doesn't mean that it's wrong. I still believed it would carry me safely to my destination. I believed it would carry my family, my three little kids. I, I believed that it would carry us back safely to the cold. I believed it, but it didn't mean I had full knowledge of it. And so I think it's important for us to know, just because we don't have a PhD in every category of life, doesn't mean those categories are wrong. And just because there are things in the Word that we don't know fully and have perfect knowledge about, does not mean that we can't be a faithful Christian. You don't need to be a pastor or a theologian or have a Bible college degree to be a faithful Christian. And again, when I meet my father and he, we see each other face to face, I still won't. That's the beauty of the journey of discipleship, of seeking, of pursuing, of drawing near. That's sanctification. And so that shouldn't discourage us as a church to say, man, I, I'm not even talking because I don't, I don't know what is going on. I don't understand this stuff. However... We do need faith to grow in our, in our understanding. And we're building the case for why faith is essential. It's important to remember the last point. This is my favorite one. Is that belief in God is how we enjoy him. It's actually how we enjoy him. Let's bring up verse 6 again from Hebrews 11. Without faith it is what? It is what? It is impossible to please him. Ain't possible, folks. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he what? Rewards those who seek him, who pursue him. It is impossible to please God without faith. Ain't gonna happen. 
And I think about the idea of reward. And again, let scripture speak for itself. Look at Psalm 34.10. The young lion suffers want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And I think about the posture we're called to carry as a church. I hope we carry a posture of hope. I hope as we look at the world, even though we're sad, even though we are hurting for people, on the flip side, in the pain, we have a powerful hope that surpasses the trials and the suffering of today. And, and when we're spiraling in despair, we look up to the hope that Christ has offered us. Isaiah 55, verse 6 through 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will pardon abundantly. You know, that re reward is salvation. <laughs> what greater gift do we have than salvation than the abundant love that we will have an eternity with him I remember I went on vacation when I was a young kid and we were living in Oklahoma and I still remember we drove out west we drive everywhere and we drove to Colorado and we were driving in the mountains I was probably about like I said eight or nine and I remember it was around Colorado Springs, and when we were going up the Rocky Mountains, I remember a moment when we were driving, and I remember looking out the window, and we were like right on a cliff. <laughs> and if you've ever drove through the mountains, you know that's more often than you'd think. I remember looking over and being like, we're going to die, Dad, screaming to him. My dad is a man of few words, surprise. And he said a simple phrase. He said, son, it's, it's going to be okay. And it's interesting because when looking back, that statement gave me peace. So I said, okay, if my dad says it, it's, it's going to be okay. So we continued that trek up that mountain. And when we got near the top, we got to a scenic view. Wow. imagery, the, the beauty. It was worth the path of fear and insecurity. But none of that would have happened if I wasn't close to my father. If I wasn't near and having faith in his words. And so for us, we need to remember the reward of God is far greater than any scenic view or material earthly possession we might have. The question comes back, will we trust the Lord? Will we trust that he's adopted us, he has saved us, Christ has lived, he has died, he has rose, and now we can have eternal glory with him because of that. And, and Knowing this room, 
Some of you I know, some I don't. You can make that decision today. You don't need to get your life right, then come to God. Go to him and he will make your life right. He will change you from the inside out. The invitation for us this morning is to draw near to him. Will you answer that call? Will you truly believe? Father, I want to pray right now for our church. I pray that we believe, we have assurance, we have hope. God, I pray that if there's anything in us that we need to repent of, because we've been just chasing after the world and sin, I pray we put our trust in you, what you've done for us. I pray that we renounce the world and its teaching, its false teaching of trying to chase the good life, and we draw near and trust your word and trust your life that you have for us. And we seek you for the reward only you can offer. God, make us instruments of peace. Even if there's doubt in us, Father, give us faith. If there's hurt and sadness and despair, give us hope. Give us joy. Where there's darkness of sin, give us the light of forgiveness. God, we are eternally grateful. We love you and we declare this all in your name. And all God's people said. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself today.